0: Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy, come on, tell me, people. Kwame's been here enough to know that when we get to every word, you shout it. All right. We don't live by bread alone, but by every word. Every word. That's right. Como dicen en español, Mateo 4 That's right. And our commitment this year, our commitment this year is that we're going to... Vamos a... And this year we're all becoming super bilingual as well, right? At least in the Bible. (laughs) Anybody enjoying reading through every word of God? Yeah, I am. I love it. I'm already thinking about how we're going to do it next year. Who thinks we ought to read every word this year and then we also ought to read every word next year? Yeah, it's it's a good thing to read every word and... Um, You know, of course, if you, most of you are following probably digitally, but if you need the printout of August plan, it should be out there at the information station. But today, I have a question. Don't be embarrassed. But have you ever ran out of gas? Wait, let, let, me, let me ask it like this. Have you ever tried to drive a car that has run out of gas? It hasn't happened to me in a long time, but back in the day when I was much younger and much more foolish. Um, and also back in the day before we had cars that told you, you run out of gas in 10 miles, right? Remember, it was just that thing, and then you kind of guessed when it was really going to go out because different cars were different. And some would say empty for five days. And it wouldn't go empty. Others would be almost empty and then, right? I can remember, uh, it happened to me no less than three times uh, that I would be driving along and, you know, didn't. Yeah, it was on empty. But I thought I could make it a little bit longer and, you know, you're driving down and all of a sudden, if you've ever done it before, you know how it goes. You're like, and then it's gone. And it doesn't matter. You can, go, and eventually it just goes, right? Y'all can tell I've had this happen to me a few times, right? No less than three times. Okay, maybe more. Um, and it doesn't matter how much you try to prime it and pump the gas and do it. It's not gonna. If it doesn't have any gas, it's not gonna drive. Why is everybody looking at me like I'm the only one that that's ever happened to? Has that happened to any of y'all? Okay. So the last few weeks we've been talking about living on mission, right? Right. Good. Okay. And we're going to continue to develop this principle, this perspective of living on mission, more today. First, a quick review. Come on, somebody. We don't do missions. We. We don't do outreaches. We. We don't go fishing. We are We are fishers, right? It's more than just something we do. It's who we are. It's not just things that we try to get done, but it's the way we live our life. We live on mission. Let's, let's review Matthew 10, just verses seven and eight. Come on, if you've been with us, you know what we're about to do. And 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 and. and And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely, 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 as you go, freely. Come on this side say, as you go. go. This side say, freely give. Those in the middle say the whole thing. All together. As you go, Come on, tell somebody, get your pointer finger out. Say, as you go. Because I know you go. Come on, tell somebody, I know you go places. Freely give. Come on, we've been using this this, this phrase to kind of help it stick. And I don't know about you, but this has been really changing the way, you know, my, my perspective everywhere I go all the time. I've, I've been thinking this. Remember? Wherever you go. Very good. Hey, you guys got it before it even popped up on the screen. Come on, let's say it. As you go. And, and we've we've been saying, wherever you go. Give what you have, because all of us go places, right? Everybody goes somewhere. Missions and outreach should not be a religious activity, but a way of Oh, some of y'all have been here, and for those that haven't been here, you're going to get it this morning. Our perspective must not be, I do things for Jesus, but I live for Jesus. That changes it, right? It's not just I do things for Jesus at certain planned times. But everywhere I go, every day I live for Jesus. And wherever I go, as I go, I freely give what I have. Yeah, we're getting this. All right. Uh, We uh, last, uh, I believe, well, it was a couple of Sundays ago we learned about being ambassadors for Christ. Can anybody remember what it means to be an ambassador? A representative. And we, we learned that our lives represent Jesus to the world. The world sees something about Jesus through our life. And we ask ourselves the question, what does my life really represent? What, is, what am I truly aiming to represent? And then last Sunday, if you were here in Romans 12, we learned that the way we live on mission is we discover what we do well, and then we give it we do it and we give it right we freely give it and then when we know what we do well and as we go we give it to others we give it real like well I guess today I get to give somebody a little bit of joy We give what we have with joy and enthusiasm. Very, very, very good. All right. This was probably been my favorite phrase this month. The gospel, the good news, isn't a product we're trying to sell, but a free gift we are compelled to give away. That's right. So it takes the pressure off. We're not trying to to convince anybody to buy in to our religion because we don't have one. What we do have is a living God who loves us and came to save us, gave his life for us, and our whole purpose as disciples of Jesus is to just help persuade people to receive a free gift. So if some people want it, great, and if some people don't, well, not great, but oh well. Because many will. And our job isn't to try to sell people a product. Our job isn't isn't just to try to achieve a result and try to get somebody to become a Christian. No, our job, our privilege is to give away what we've been given because the gospel is a gift. Is everybody okay this morning? Come on, turn to somebody and smile because today we're going to talk about Today we're gonna talk about. Come on, I want you to raise your fist and say, "Power." Power. Come on, r- turn to somebody else and say, "Poder." Yeah. Hey, yeah. poder. Yeah. poder. <laughs> po, der. Oh. Like over there, there. Just make it go Right. So, po, der. Oh. Power. Today we're going to talk about the power to live on mission. Because I don't know about you, but I need some help. Does anybody need some help? When I look at the mission at hand, when I see what Jesus has called us and privileged us to do, I realize I can't do it in my own strength. But we need some poder, right? We need some power. So today's message is the power to live on mission. Come on, if we want a car that drives, we got to make sure it has some gas. some gas. Very good. So for that today, we're going to go to Acts chapter 1 and 2. Let me just give you a little bit of context before we read out of Acts, uh, Acts chapter 1. You know, Jesus had spent several years with uh, you know, a lot of people following him around His disciples. He had personally discipled 12 men that he had chosen to, to designate as his main representatives to really get this movement started of, of saving the world, right? And And they had seen him do miracles and raise the dead and cleanse the lepers. They had seen him, you know, raise crippled people up. They had seen him open the eyes of the blind. They had heard all his teaching about the kingdom of God. And he had told them that he was going to go to the cross. And he told them before because they got sad when he said he was going to die and that he was going to go back to the Father. Right? Do, Do we remember? If you don't remember, this is what happened. He told his disciples after all they had seen him do, and they, were, they, they knew he, you know, they, they thought he was the Christ. They thought he was the Messiah. They thought that he was the one they were waiting for. But then he told them, I'm going go to go to, to a cross, and I'm going to be killed. But after three days, I'm going to rise. And then, this is what really made him sad. I'm going to go back to the Father. And they were like, you going to leave us, Jesus? And he's like you don't understand we we learned about this a couple of months ago right you don't understand it's actually better for me to go back into the father than for me to just stay because in that moment only Jesus was full of the holy spirit the spirit of god they were not They didn't understand yet that when Jesus was going to go to the cross, he was going to remove the barrier between God and us so that the spirit of God that was in him could come and live in us. Yes? Okay. And so he told them all of this, and and then he does. He goes to the cross. He dies for the sins of the world. He who knew no sin became sin. He became the sacrifice for sin so that through him, everyone who puts our faith and trust and hope in Jesus, we're forgiven, we're saved, we're redeemed. Do we got anybody forgiven, saved, and redeemed out there today? And then after three days, he proves that he's the son of God, that he literally is God himself, because it says the spirit of God does what? Raises him back to life, and he overcomes, he conquers sin, the devil, death itself, and then he's like, the time is here, boys, I'm about to go back to the Father. And then he tells them, before he goes, basically, now go live on mission. And we've talked about this a lot. We will talk about it again here in a week or two, okay? But in Matthew 28 and uh, Mark 16 and some in the end of Luke as well, before Jesus, after he's resurrected from the dead and before he ascends back to the Father, he basically tells his disciples, now I want all of you to go and make disciples, preach the gospel, right? Go and live on mission, right? But once, Acts 1, verses 4 and 5, when Jesus was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem. Now, remember, he just told them, go to all nations, right? He just told them, before this, you're going to go to all nations. You're going to preach the good news. You're going to make disciples. But don't leave Jerusalem until, until the Father sends you the gift He promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water. And in Greek, it's the, the, the meaning of this phrase is John baptized with water only. Just water. Just something natural. And I'm not saying that water baptism is not powerful. It is very powerful. And it is something every believer in Christ, if you've made a decision to follow Jesus, you need to be water baptized. Because it's a declaration to the world that you made a decision to follow Jesus. But water is just water, y'all. And he said, John baptized you just with water. But in just a few days, you will be baptized with what? With whom, actually? With the Holy Spirit. Okay? And then they ask him, okay, Jesus, are you going to like restore the kingdom now? And he's like, that's not not what I'm talking about. Don't worry about that. But, let's let's go to verse 8. But... You will receive, but you will receive, but you will receive, Recibirás. hey, very good. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, right? Upon you. Now, I don't have time to go back and teach you all of this, but Jesus had already told him he's been with you because I've been with you. Later, he's going to be in you. So when we're born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. But there's another thing that happens When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, and that is the Holy Spirit comes not only in you, but upon you, right? Baptized, submerged, completely taken under, okay? He says, you're going to be, just stay here and wait until the Father sends him. You're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive what? And then the next phrase is so, so interesting, Then you'll witness. Is that what it says? Is that what it says? Go back. Go back. And then you'll do witnessing for me. Then you will plan outreaches and go do witnessing for me. No. And you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere. Is this sounding familiar yet? Everywhere, wherever you go, right? In Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. In other words, wherever you go, right? Some of you going to live here. Some of you going to live there. Some of you going to go here. Some of you going to go there. Wherever you go, everywhere you're going to what? Again, Jesus didn't say we would quote-unquote, witness, or that we would do witnessing. Yes? Now, we do witness, and we do do witnessing. (laughs) We do actively witness to people. But it's way more, or I could say it's first a matter of identity before it is a matter of activity. Witnessing is first a matter of identity before it can really be a matter of our activity. Because I will do what I think I am. Yes? If I am, if I am Anna and Oliver's father, I will take care of them. I'm not just going to do, do, I'm going to do child care for these kids because I should. No, I am their daddy, so I take care of them. Witnessing or being a witness, he did not say we would witness. He said we'd be witnesses. It's who we are. Come on, say it's who I am. I have to see myself as a witness. Something I've been saying to myself, you say you talk to yourself all the time, to myself for a long time now is, I am a fisher of people. I am a disciple maker. Not I fish for people or I make disciples, no, I am a disciple maker. I am a witness. We have to see ourselves as what Jesus says we are before we can actually do it. It's not just something I do, it's who I am. Amen? Amen. Come and say, I am, I am a witness. Now, again, does it sound familiar what, what it's saying? Uh, to me, I don't know about you, but I hear wherever you go, give what you have, right? You're going to be my witnesses and you're going to tell people about me everywhere. And then he lists a few places where they're going to be, right? Actually, he says to the ends of the earth. So, hey, here we are today. I'm glad. That These people, the first group of them, about 120 of them, decided we're going to obey what Jesus said, we're going to wait, we're going to get the Holy Spirit, and then we're going to go live on mission. But b- b- because of what they did, we're here today. Because, of what they, because they lived on mission, we have the gospel to the ends of the earth today, right? But there's still a lot of work to be done, y'all. There's still a lot of witnesses that need to be seen and heard there's still a lot of people, and again, I'm, I don't want to get ahead of myself in a couple of weeks, I'm going to tell you how many people, there's still all are on earth, from our doorstep, to our, from our neighbors, all the way to the most remote tribe and village in the jungle, there still are a lot of people on earth that need a witness of the gospel, not just a message, not just a message, a witness, someone who lives on mission in front of them so that they can see Jesus, ambassadors of Jesus to the world. There's still lots to be done. But first, y'all, if we're going to live on mission, if we're going to be witnesses, we need some power. And the good thing is the first disciples obeyed. Let's go now to Acts chapter 2. It says, and if we keep reading, we realize that, you know, there was a, about a, a 120 of them. There had been four or 500 followers of Jesus. Probably a lot of them had heard Jesus say this. We don't know exactly the numbers, but we know that about 120 of them obeyed. And they stayed in Jerusalem, and they actually stayed together. They, they just stuck together until, okay? And it says in Acts chapter 2, um, we're going to just kind of, I don't have time to read the entire chapter. I encourage you to do it. But... It says on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And who? The 12 apostles. The ones who had followed Jesus the longest. The ones who were extra holy. The ones who had no doubts. Only the ones who had no doubts. No. It says everyone present. Now you had to be present. (laughs) Some people want more of God, but they don't present themselves you got to be present. Why do we even come to church all together? Because we're just obeying what Jesus told us to do. we got to be present. we got to show up together, right? It didn't happen to individuals. It happened to a gathered group together. Everyone present. I'm not saying you can't experience the Holy Spirit on your own. I do a lot. But the reality is the Holy Spirit comes with power when we gather in obedience to what he told us to do. Everyone present was what? Filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues or languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Then what happened? Let's jump forward to verse 14. Then Peter stepped forward, the 11 other apostles, and shouted to the crowd, listen. Carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this, all right? So they had waited. They had obeyed Jesus. The Holy Spirit had come. Now they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. And now Peter steps up, and what does he start doing? Witnessing, right? He starts witnessing because now he's got power, and now he is a witness. So now he has the power to witness right? The power to share it, the power to proclaim it to everyone. He steps forward. Let's actually just, I'm not going to read Peter's whole sermon. Let's just go to verse 36. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts. Some people That already knew about Jesus, that had already seen Jesus, that had already heard about Jesus, but their hearts had not yet been cut. But now Peter's words are piercing their hearts. And they said to him and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? (laughs) And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Today, if you have not made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, today he is calling you and inviting you and urging you and I'm inviting you with him. Repent of your sins. Put your faith in him. Give your life to Jesus and be baptized to tell everybody about it. This is what Peter told him to do. Then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, a look at what this says. This promise is to you, your children, and to those far away, all who've been called by the Lord their God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 and all. And we call that... Revival, right? Literally, the church was born, okay? in one day, the first megachurch, the church of Jerusalem, right? In one day, no gimmicks, no marketing, no, no big grand opening, soft opening, grand opening. Lose half of, no, 80% of everybody and then build it. No, no, no. In one day... Not because of them, but because of the Holy Spirit. Boom. I don't know about you, but that's what I want to see. I don't want to do it. I want him to do it. I just want to do what he says. I just want to let him be, I just want him to let me be a part of it, to do my part, right? Everybody good? Number one, the power to live on mission is the Holy Spirit. The power to live on mission, or the Holy Spirit is the power to live on mission. The Holy Spirit is the power to be a witness. So we're not just out there witnessing. So we're not just out there doing stuff in Jesus' name. Trying to get something done. The Holy Spirit is the power to live my life everywhere I go as a a witness, as a missionary, to live on mission, right? It's his presence. I want you to say this word. A lot of people know this word. Some people don't know this word. Some people have really spooky, weird ideas about this word. But this word is the anointing. Say anointing. Okay? I don't have time to teach you an entire teaching on anointing. We've done that before. We'll do it again. But the anointing is basically God's tangible presence and power upon us, okay? It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit that sets us apart. You know, like the anointing oil in the Old Testament, they pour it on a king to set him apart and make him the, the king. Now as disciples of Jesus, the anointing of the Holy Spirit comes upon us to set us apart and make us his witnesses. That's right. To make us his witnesses, to make us his ambassadors, to make us his representatives. Anybody getting encouraged yet? Come on, say the Holy Spirit is the power. power. Now, you guys, last night I wasn't even planning to say this, but I came in here as usual I typically come in here every Saturday night really late and just pray and just spend some time in the presence of Jesus. And I really thought, you know what, I'm going to go do a, you know, just have a quick one tonight. I'm just going to go. I'm going to just kind of rapidly pray through the chairs and just kind of get her done and make sure everything's ready to go and go home and go to bed because I'm tired. And I got in here and this just started coming up out of me. It started bubbling up out of me. I prayed, Lord, Lord. I want Encounter Church to be real charismatics. Why are y'all looking at me like that? Some, some, some just looked at me like a, what do they say? Like a cow staring at a new gate. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you got to be country to to get that one. All right. I grew up in the south, south, south. Okay. And when you do put up a new gate, cows will sit, stand there and stare at it. They will. They do. It's really weird. Okay. Some of y'all just looked at me like that, though. But this came up out of me. And I was just praying in tongues. I was praying in the Holy Spirit, and it just bubbled up out of me. I want to be a real Pentecostal. Not just in name. Not just, oh, I'm a tongue talker. I want to be a real Pentecostal because on Pentecost, them people got power to be witnesses. I want to be a real charismatic, not just in name, just I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I want to be full of the power and the gifts and the anointing of the Holy Spirit that everywhere I go, people can feel it. And people want to know about Jesus because of what they can feel and sense on my life. Does anybody else want to be like that? I don't want an encounter church to just be known as one of those charismatic churches. We are charismatic people. I want to be the real deal. How about you? I don't want to just be a tongue talker. I want to use my tongue to preach the gospel. God got a hold of their tongues on the day of Pentecost, not only to give them their prayer language, which is good, powerful, important. Some of you will receive it today because we're going to pray for everybody at the end to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. But God wants to do more than just get a hold of your tongue so you can pray in tongues. That's just a symbol of what he wants to do, that he wants to take over your tongue so he can use you to speak his word. Let God get a hold of your heart and your tongue today, to make you a witness for Him. Somebody whose mouth He can use, because that's what witnesses do. Come on, we talked about this a while back. If you're called as a witness to court, but you don't say anything, what kind of witness are you? Useless. You're a fake charismatic, a fake Pentecostal. You can chatala bababakata all you want to. But if God is not using our mouth to tell other people about Jesus, we're just half-baked Pentecostals. And I love all of you. But I can tell you from personal experience, when the Holy Spirit got a hold of me as a teenager, I did speak in tongues. And I'll probably say like Paul said, I probably speak in tongues more than all of you, right? That's what Paul told people. Okay, maybe not. But... But I'll tell you, when Jesus got a hold of me, when the Holy Spirit filled me, my high school knew about it. They knew about it. They named me Jesus Freak because I just told everybody about Jesus, and that was not a compliment, y'all. I know there was a cool song back in the 90s, Jesus Freak, but to be called a Jesus Freak back then was not a compliment. It meant that you were radical. It meant that you were something else. Right? Got a lot of cows staring at a new gate at me right now. I need to come up with a better anecdote. What else do people stare at when they don't? Like a deer in the headlights. There you go. We got those around here. Okay. So you grew up in Atlanta. You ain't seen many cows. All right. Well, that was a rabbit trail. What in the world was I trying to say? When Jesus got a hold of me, when the Holy Spirit filled me, I did way more than speak in tongues. Peter spoke in tongues, but then he spoke, and 3,000 people got saved. I want you to speak in tongues. I want you to receive your supernatural prayer language if you haven't. And if you have, I want you to use it every day. But even more than that, I want you, once he's got a hold of that, I want you to allow God to use your mouth, to use your tongue, to speak, to proclaim, to share, to give what you have freely received. Isn't it great? You don't have to worry about what you say to people. You just got to tell them what you've experienced. You just got to tell them what's in the Bible. You don't have to make it up or anything. Please don't, actually. Just give what you've received. But we've got to open our mouth and let God use our tongue so that we can be witnesses. We need his power. You know, this week as I was thinking about this, I felt the Holy Spirit just kind of show me what he's done in my life. And I want to just give you one sort of sentence that, that came to me. The Holy Spirit reminds us of the mission and refreshes us for the mission. The Holy Spirit reminds us of the mission and refreshes us for mission. The mission, John fourteen twenty six. when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything, and he will, he will remind you of everything I've told you, right? I don't know about you, but I tend to be forgetful. Because life gets busy and complicated. And sometimes you need to be reminded you are a witness. Today, right now, at the gas station, at the restaurant, at the grocery store. At the coffee shop, as you walk around the neighborhood, as you're at school, as you're at the office, as you're in the line in the bank, you are a witness. I had somebody, I've forgotten about this, I had somebody this week. I walked in the bank and because they know me, they know who I am, they called me over to their desk and asked, would you pray for me? A lady at the bank, she knows I'm a witness. See, people need to see and know Jesus through us, but we need the Holy Spirit to remind us everywhere we go that we're on mission. Because if not, I don't know about you, but I get on another mission. It's my mission, my convenience, my problems, my issues, my kids. One thing I've loved is that we're, we're very intentionally Including our kids in living on mission. My kids know that when we go to Publix, we're looking for somebody—somebody—to just be a witness to. Sometimes it results very powerfully. My kids know it's—it's it's not weird for them. For sometimes they're with Liz, they're with mom at the park, that they would pray for somebody in need at the park. Because just, we just do that. That's the way we live our life. We live on mission. But sometimes there's a lot going on, and we need to be reminded. Aren't you glad that the Holy Spirit is a reminder? He's the best reminder, right? He's way better than a notification on your phone. When we need reminding, he goes, hey. When you get ready to get impatient and ugly at the grocery store in the line, he reminds you, you're a witness. You're my ambassador. People see Jesus through you. Uh Uh-oh. Y'all better pray in tongues some more. The good thing is he helps, the, the way I look at this is the Holy Spirit helps us stay focused and not get off track. He reminds us of everything Jesus said. John 7:37 through 39, the last day, of the climax of the festival, Jesus stood up and shouted to the crowds, "Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes, uh, anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his where heart because the Holy Spirit lives in us." And this river of living water is an artesian well. An artesian well. This is what this says in Greek. An artesian well is a well of water that's way, way, way deep down in the earth. That's even, it, it's, it's, it's below the, the top water table and it accesses the rivers that flow underneath the crust of the earth. So it never runs out because the water down there never runs out. That's what Jesus said the Holy Spirit would be for us. And that he would flow from our heart. When he said living water or artesian well, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. To whom? To some? To most? To special people? To extra holy people? No, to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. But we know, we already read in Acts that it happens, right? But the Holy Spirit doesn't just remind us. He refreshes us for the mission. He reminds us of the mission to stay focused on the mission, but he refreshes us for the mission. You guys, we never have to live dry. Too many Christians settle for, I'm just kind of dry right now. Well, that is not his fault. And I'm not trying to point fingers and blame, but I've felt dry before, and it was my fault. The well is there, and it doesn't run out. The gas station has a direct line to the pipeline. This gas station never runs out of fuel like some of ours do. We can live refreshed. It's a never-ending river of refreshing. And that's what he wants for you. Yes? Come on, say, Holy Spirit, remind me and refresh me for the mission. So if the Holy Spirit, you know, if the Holy Spirit is the power to live on mission, He refreshes us and reminds us and makes us effective and supernatural. Then we ought to be filled with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Simple as that. Number one, the Holy Spirit is the power to live on mission. Number two, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled. Because the baptism in the Holy Spirit is for all believers. This promise is for everyone who believes. Not just a special select few. I say again, everyone present got baptized in the Holy Spirit. The problem is, y'all okay out there? The problem is, some people don't want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because they're afraid of two things. Are you with me? One, they're afraid of what will happen. They've seen other people be touched by the Holy Spirit and they're afraid of what will happen. They're afraid of speaking in tongues. I promise it doesn't hurt. They're afraid of, they may have seen people filled with the Holy Spirit fall out under the power of God, or they're afraid of, I promise it doesn't hurt. But what people are more afraid of isn't that. They're afraid it'll change them. They're afraid it's going to turn them into some kind of Jesus freak. I'll just say this to that. If you would like to try to witness, to be a witness to people without being baptized in the Holy Spirit, good luck. Good luck. I'm going to go with the power. I'm going to go to the power source. I'm going to stick where the power's at. Because I want to be a supernatural witness. So today I want to say this. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, today is your day. If you've hesitated, if you've never heard about this, today is your day. If you've heard about it and hesitated or resisted, today could be your day. Stop being afraid of what will happen to you. I promise it's the most wonderful thing that could ever happen to you. Number three, don't just be filled. Stay filled. Stay filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I fill my car up with gas, and after a few days, after I've driven it, what do I need to do again? Got to go back to the gas station. Hello. Hmm. Even if it were electric. Even if it were electric. Thank you, Chandra. You still got to plug it in. Oh, y'all hit people out there with your plug-in cars. (laughs) It doesn't matter if you gassed up last week or plugged it in last night. If you drove the thing, it needs some more. Stay filled with the Holy Spirit. So what what, what do I mean? So we're going to... Go now to Acts chapter 4, and let me just give you a little bit of context, you know, what happened on, in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, everybody was filled with the Holy Spirit, and you know, Peter preaches, and all these people get saved, and it's not only Peter, but a lot of people are, are proclaiming the message of, of the gospel, and people are hearing it, and, and a lot is happening, but so uh, Peter and John, uh, two of Jesus' disciples, had been living on mission, and they'd been telling people about Jesus everywhere they went. Come on, somebody. Peter and John got filled with the Holy Spirit, and they went, and li- went out and lived on mission. They just gave what they had. They gave what they had received. But they got in trouble for it because some people didn't like the gospel because some people won't like the gospel. Come on. Bit. Stay with me. Not everybody is going to think the good news is good news. Come on. We've already been there, but let's just Remember? A lot of people will receive the good news. Some people won't like it. And because some people didn't like it, they got in trouble. And in fact, they got, told that they got told to stop speaking in the name of Jesus. Yes? Okay. And they were threatened. They were told to stop talking about Jesus. They were threatened with prison. Right? If they didn't stop talking about Jesus, guess what the church did? they called a prayer meeting they didn't cower they didn't go to some back room and strategize they got together and they yeah that's what christians are supposed to do right hello nothing wrong with strategy but if we've got we've strategized without praying right they called a prayer meeting they were threatened let's pray okay so they prayed this, look what happened when they prayed. It says they prayed, stretch out your hand, Lord, with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I guess they decided they were going to keep on telling people about Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were, let me stop right there. What, what chapter are we in? As in four, as in after Two. As in, the people that were in Acts chapter 2 are now in 4. The same people that were filled on the day of Pentecost are now in a prayer meeting, the church, praying for Peter and John and praying for boldness, right, to continue to proclaim the name of Jesus. A lot of the very same people that we saw baptized in the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 would have been... There at that prayer meeting in Acts chapter 4. Yes? Okay. I'm glad we all agree on that. Because it says, the meeting place shook after they prayed and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Then who did? They did. They all did. We keep reading Acts and you realize they all did. Persecution eventually did come. Many of them ended up being scattered all over the place. And it says that wherever they went, we already read it wherever they went, what did they do? They preached the gospel. That wherever they went, they gave what they had, right? But they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They didn't just do it by their own means, by their own strength, by their own conviction, even. They were filled with the power to live on mission. But I find it interesting that the same people that were filled in Acts 2 get 2 get refilled in Acts 4. Because you gotta plug that thing in. You gotta go to the gas station. The baptism in the Holy Spirit, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm literally almost done. We're about to. Worship, we're about to press in, we're about to pray for everybody who wants it. But you're all present, so you're all candidates. The baptism in the Holy Spirit, yes, it is a, it is a one-time experience that ought to lead to many, 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 many more experiences with being filled with the Holy Spirit. First, got to get it to keep on getting it. Hello? First, you have to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But then, as you, like when you use a car, you got to go back to the gas station. As you, quote unquote, use the anointing, use the power, allow God to use you as a witness. I don't know about you, but I'm going to need more and more of that. My initial baptism in the Holy Spirit was powerful. But since then, then I've had even more powerful experiences with the Holy Spirit than my initial one. It's like the more he gets a hold of me, the more powerful it gets. We ought to be filled, but then we ought to be refilled and refilled. Ephesians 5.18, last scripture says... Don't be drunk with wine, by the way. Good idea. Drinking and getting drunk, bad idea. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, instead of being dumb and doing dumb things, instead of indulging in things that just make you feel happy physically, Because that can end up messing messing you up. I got a lot of deer staring at headlights again. Come on, y'all. What we're about to read, it almost seems like, why do they even put that in the same scripture? It's like, what does that have to do with the Holy Spirit? Everything. Instead of looking for your pleasure and satisfaction and refreshing in things that really don't do it, and things that actually could end up messing you up. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will refresh you. He'll keep refreshing you. Listen, that one bottle of wine might be good, but it it runs out. (laughs) This is an artesian well that never runs out. Come on, let me give you one more nerdy Greek thing. Is that all right? Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, who remembers middle school language arts? Nobody. One person. One. All right. You're in it right now. Okay. You're suffering through it right now. That was my thing. Language was always my thing. I've always loved language, okay? And Greek has a lot of tenses, okay? So when you read the Bible, remember, the New Testament was first written in Greek. So it's good to sometimes take a look at at what the phrases actually mean in the original language and the tenses. When it says, if we could go back to that scripture, you guys, don't be drunk with wine. But instead, be filled is in, ready? Present Continuous tense. You know what present continuous means? Something that's now and forever. Something that is happening right now and continues happening and happening and happening and happening. Present continuous or present progressive tense. Okay? Literally, if we were to read it in English like it says it in Greek, it would say, be being filled. Be being I know that sounds redundant, because it is. Hello? We need to redundantly, repetitively, progressively, continuously, be filled and refilled and refilled and refilled with the Holy Spirit. And if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit today if you're a believer. And if you're not a believer, you can become a believer. And if you are a believer and you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, today I encourage you and I urge you and I prod you. Be filled again. Because you're going to need it to be a witness this week. The world needs, our city needs, spirit-filled, anointed witnesses for Jesus. Most people living in our community have at least had, heard some semblance of the gospel, but most have never seen a Holy Ghost anointed, power filled witness of Jesus. Someone who is not ashamed of the gospel. Someone who doesn't just speak in tongues, but uses their tongue to speak to them. Someone who's not scared. Or afraid, or actually let me rephrase that, scared and afraid, but does it anyway, still speaks the gospel at school, in the office, in the neighborhood, in the grocery store, at the gas station, at Chick-fil-A. Wait, they're already all Christians. Just kidding. No. (laughs) Not really. Wherever we go, we give what we have. But I want to give something powerful.